Welcome, Raceheads, to episode six of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Marconcini, along with Ian Baquez, and we have good buddy Woo! Ryan Shrek. He is Hello. a a longtime college friend of ours. And uh, Ryan, how about you just uh, do a little introduction and um, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hello, thank you very, very much for having me. First and foremost, I am extremely excited to be here. Uh, I've been a lifelong F1 fan for about a year now. Um, big McLaren fan for as long as I can remember, starting in 2020. Um, big thanks to the F1 show on Netflix, Drive to Survive, really got me hooked, as I know uh, it did for the two of you as well. Um, and yeah, since that, I've been just consuming all the F1 that I can. Big advocate for the F1 video game as well. Of course, enough, and Ryan's going to be helping us a little in one of our sectors. Yeah, uh, and just going to, over uh, what the sectors that we're going to be covering. Today we're going to start off with a race recap. We're going to have the race predictions that we go through every single week, go through that. Some of our a little segment with our, our buddy Ryan, and then uh, we'll, we'll leave off the show from there. So it's going to be pretty cool. Ian, what are your thoughts on how the race went in Portimao? Yeah, pretty boring race, I'd say, overall. Um, kind of what we're used to. I think we got spoiled a little bit early on in the season just with kind of, you know, excitement. We're used to seeing exciting overtakes everywhere in the field. Not to say that we didn't see any. We saw actually a couple overtakes for the lead this past weekend, which was nice. But I think overall it was just kind of, a, I would say, a little bit of a dud of a race, in, in my honest opinion. Agreed. Yeah, it was definitely, you know, you had Lewis, that the typical thing that we saw last year of, you know, the one, two, three, and it really just, you know, sorts it out from, from after that. So that we got a little, a little clip it from the 2019, 2020 season. Um, but uh, let's, let's, you know, go to a little bit more in depth. Uh, we'll hit off with how qualifying kind of looked like uh, to, to start the weekend off. Sucks. We had, I think the biggest thing that stood out to to us was Danny Ricardo out in Q1. This is yeah, that was a, that was a big blow. That was a pretty big surprise uh, for everyone. I know last week me and Ian were really harping on Ricardo having showing some improvements, maybe potentially, you know, some people's predictions maybe, you know, outperforming their their uh their rival driver. And so yeah, seeing him a little having a little bit of struggle there was a big surprise. Uh, the next thing was, on the opposite end, a huge, huge, incredible Mr. Q3, I think we should start calling him. If Sebastian Russell's Vettel, Mr. Q2, I, mean, I like it out On of top Q3, of Aston Martin with it, fantastic. Uh, Sebastian uh, getting into Q3, we had uh, Stroll getting into Q2. So it's kind of like those puzzles where you push in one I side like that a lot. I and the think, other side pops out. You know, I think they're going to ride a between years Q2 since and he Q3. showed uh, great race pace. I think the driver gets in when the other doesn't. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think especially um, with very, the very Aston Martin team, it's going to be really exciting to see how that develops now that Alpine is starting to show a little bit of pace. Um, we'll get into it a little bit more on the race, I'm sure, but uh, this was the first week, for me at least, that they showed some promise from both drivers, so really excited to see how that battle goes. Um, could see them battling for that Q3 final couple spots. Yeah, especially uh, even in qualifying, Akon qualifying like a, a P6, um, I think that was way more than anybody was kind of bargaining for there. Um, Alpine, I heard some rumors that just because of the slow corners in these track, um, it was going to be kind of uh, fitting for their car. Um, so I thought, you know, kind of anticipated them doing a little bit better than they had in the season, but qualifying P6, I mean, that's, that's good for anybody. So yeah, good, good showing for them. 
Um, and I think obviously with Barcelona coming up and also having slow corners, I've heard that Barcelona is basically just Portugal, but a little less uh, spiky. I think that's just going to be kind of a, another spot for them to shine. Congruently, it is the two probably most boring tracks on the grid or on the, on the schedule. So, um, yeah, good to see that where they do well is where we hate the race. Absolutely. Got to love it. Uh, so going into a little bit more in-depth, we'll, we'll hit on uh, the top five teams currently. So starting off, we're going to switch up and have Red Bull go first, just how they did throughout the weekend. Um, I think it was something extremely impressive for Perez for going out on mediums for, a, I would say, about 80 or 90% of the race. Most people were making it around you know, 20, 24 laps on those mediums, and for him to have that consistent pace, even though – you know, when Lewis eventually did catch up to him, it was, it was a swift overtake. But it was impressive to see, you know, that he didn't have those struggles, um, you know, with, with maintaining tires and, um, you know, just having an impressive start. After, after the safety car, same thing. And so I think that was something that we kind of saw from the first two races was, you know, Max being able to have that attempt for an overtake. It wasn't long after that that you saw Lewis's greatness and was able to take take that position back but it was still a good show for red bull after the three races in 2020 mercedes was up 67 66 points uh above red bull this year they're only 18 and so uh some people are kind of hoping we need russell russell to bash into botas's car more often to you know even the playing field a little bit uh, but you know a lot of season left to be had and we'll see see what goes from there yeah i think that can't be understated enough the checo effect of uh, you know, closing that gap after three races, Mercedes being 66 points ahead versus 18, like that's 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 significant. And I know obviously Bottas got crashed into, um, but Sergio's had some bad luck too. So I think uh, obviously it's closer than it was last year. But yeah, like you said, we'll we'll see for the rest of the time. You really want to harp on that? Incredibly fun watching a second uh, Red Bull seat that actually has promise and can consistently deliver results. Already seen him on the pole. He did lead the race for a little bit. Granted, that was um, due to the pit strategy more so than his actual racing, but very exciting to see that up there um, provides them the opportunity to just give him some strategy and, and some options there, especially when we do see Max generally having more pace than the second Mercedes. Should really make it for an exciting year. Yeah, awesome. Uh, moving on from Red Bull to Mercedes. Um, the, I think the points we have written down are, man, Lewis is a pretty good race driver. Turns out. Didn't really see it coming. But uh, I mean, even getting past at the restart, coming back around, and then pulling away uh, the amount that he did. Yeah, it was, it was just another reminder, like we're reminded every time that there's a race, that Lewis is a ridiculously good driver. Um, and then the other thing that I had was that Bottas has really got a – I'm, I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in these Mercedes meetings where they're, where they're kind of recapping because um, everybody knows Lewis is a good driver. Everybody knows that the Mercedes car is good. But a different dynamic, it's, it's much more of a 2v2 right now uh, with Checo in, so hopefully that just kind of keeps up for the rest of the year. But, yeah, they, I think there's, there's bulls on their tail a little more than there have been in the past. Yeah, and I, I think – it's even going to get that much closer. As as you said, Perez did come in fourth, but he was still kind of separated from those top three. He was that, that next guy there. So hopefully we can kind of see him close that gap between the three, and that's when we really start to see 
these different racing strategies uh, for both in favor of Red Bull and kind of seeing the difference between those two. But that's great. So moving on to McLaren, Lando is continuing his strong start to the season. He's shown that right off of the, you know, the top three, top four drivers, he's right there and really showed that through qualifying and the race itself. Uh, really fun to watch. I think he is just, you know, for how young he is, it, it seems like he is, uh, he drives a lot older, has a lot more experience than, than you know, a typical driver that age would be. Uh, on the other side of things, obviously we mentioned that Danny went out Q3 uh, during qualifying, but definitely showed some promise in the actual race. So started on the grid from 16 and moved his way up to nine. So uh, while it wasn't a great weekend for him, definitely making the best of his Sunday. So something that I just wanted to note too is Lawrence Stroll, when he was getting asked at the beginning of the season, like where can you see Aston Martin ending up? Um, he mentioned that P3 would be kind of, you know, obviously the goal because they weren't anywhere near Red Bull or Mercedes. Um, which is fair, but it's hilarious to see that now, instead of being in P3 like McLaren is, they are now four points behind sixth place, who's Alpha Tauri right now. Alpha Tauri has nine points, and, and, uh, and Aston Martin coming in with a big five. So, yeah, it's, it's just McLaren is doing what Aston Martin very much planned to do at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they definitely overshot on, or they had a, a huge rise, a quick rise, and obviously that was for a lot of up for debate and contention on how they got to that rise. But I, it seems like they're they're kind of falling back to what a typical new team would look like. To continue to touch on that uh, McLaren, certainly it's no no overstatement, but uh, Lando has continued to impress me this year. I don't know if anyone is currently getting more out of their car than Lando Norris is right now. I think the only podium driver that has not been a Red Bull or Mercedes, and then McLaren also, I noticed today I saw this, that they're the only team currently that has had all their races with double points finishers, so certainly boating well for them, consistently getting in the top 10. Um, we'll certainly help them continue to strive for that third place in the constructors which want to defend third place of course uh, because I don't think first or second is really within their their reach but um, definitely come out of the gate strong and very excited to continue to see how Lando uh, drives throughout this year love it uh, Marco you're the Italian so you talk about Ferrari thank you so my people it was a <laughs> tough race for Carlos Sainz he did have a nice qualifying starting P5, but uh, definitely had some, some struggles throughout the race. It, it seemed pretty evident that he was getting passed by a number of drivers and really having to work hard. His pace just clearly wasn't, wasn't there on Sunday, which was unfortunate to see. He's definitely had a, a pretty decent start uh, through the first two races and kind of expected somewhere to see with, that we talked about with Danny is expected to see that improvement continue and, and you know, make a, a strong push for those, you know, three through six finishes. And, uh, yeah, clearly didn't see it this this uh, this race. But on the other hand, I think Charles very I, – I, for me, it's this Ferrari and uh, McLaren situation, it, I feel like they mirror each other. You know, they have this uh, great young driver, their number – basically their number one driver, really having a strong, strong season. And then – uh, a little bit of ups and downs for these strong, you know, number two seats. But, um, you know, obviously finished up in the top six and, uh, you know, continuing to, to improve on that as well. 
All right, and we have a new number five, fifth best team. So Alpha Tower getting the boot down into the gross half of the grid, those bottom five teams. Um, Alpine had a terrific race weekend in Portugal. So uh, they started P6 and P13 was where they called, ended up finishing seventh and eighth. Um, this was, you know, for Alonso, looked like he came out of the shell uh, a little more than we were used to seeing him in the last two races. Looks like he's getting a little more comfortable in the car and had some solid overtakes. Uh, but again, this track in Portimao and the track in Barcelona are going to be the two where I think if Alpine does get those super important midfield points, um, these are the two tracks where it's going to be most easy for him, just with uh, with the low corners that that car kind of likes. So, um, yeah, any any kind of thoughts on on our you know very very favorite uh, boys over there at Alpine? No, absolutely nothing. Okay, cool. Let's move on then. Um, next sector we have... I want to talk um, about Haas. I know it's f top five teams. I want to come on, use my time to talk about Haas because nobody's talking about them. And you're going to find... I think, I'm, I think a few people are talking about them. If I'm on this podcast in the future, and this little you know stint right here might, might jeopardize that, but I'm going I'm <laughs> to talk about them a lot because yesterday we saw a Haas in live racing overtake another Formula One constructor. So big, big props to Mick Schumacher for overtaking another real car that was truly racing him and not finishing second to last behind, ahead of his teammate, Nikita, who will continually finish last amongst racing cars if he doesn't continue to spin out or get five-second penalties for ignoring blue flags. But big weekend for Haas. Was that the first time that a Haas has overtaken another car on a different team? I imagine not counting the first three laps of a race or a restart or a pit lane situation, obviously. Um, it is the first one that I can recall. And I like was naturally having, yeah, like naturally having better pace than, than the other car. Interesting. Well, good for Haas, Ryan. I'm glad that you can find some solace in, in the wonderful performers over there. So do you... How many races do you think that outside of a DNF will Mazepin not come in dead last? I don't think any. You don't, don't think, think I don't, you don't think he's not on his teammate. I think his teammate's his best option and he doesn't yeah. have that pace. Yeah, I mean they are they are so 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 slow relative to almost every other team that it is just going to be near impossible for them to show any type of consideration for that not to be the case and i saw a lot of hate from mazepin on twitter about him finishing i think he ended up finishing 65 seconds behind mick um he did have an extra pit stop so that's where i was like okay well you know this looks bad but isn't as bad you know it's granted it's 40 seconds it's not great but um but i mean his pit stop that he had to take was because he spun out uh and got some flat spots on his tire so it's kind of like, you know, rookie thing, rookie boy doing rookie things, um, getting, you know, consequences out of that. I thought, uh, I thought yeah. the, the fast, I thought that the extra pit stop was, they were saying, hey, Mazepin, go for the fastest lap. Oh, yeah. That, maybe, uh, maybe I got that wrong. Yeah, no. Maybe he was just trying to just absolutely <laughs> send one. <laughs> Shoot for the moon! Mazepin was well ahead of, of Schumacher and Imola due to Schumacher losing an entire front wing and driving two laps on that front wing, granted under a yellow flag, and he was still able to easily pit again, 
get his car all fixed up and, and catch his teammates. So I, I think we have a bit of a George Russell, Nicholas Latifi situation where I don't see Mazepin outqualing Schumacher this e season at all. So to answer your question, I don't think he finishes a race ahead of anyone that also finishes that race. This was more Haas talk than anybody wanted or expected, and that's why I'm here. Imagine if there was an eighth grader whose dad was super rich and there was a good football team at the neighboring high school that that person lived in and the dad said, hey, I know a lot of people are saying my son's not ready, but I have a lot of money and so I'm going to send him out with um, shitty equipment, like shitty shoulder pads and a shitty helmet and just leave him out. That's what I feel like is happening right now with, with Mazepin just getting clobbered with these people who are just in a different level than he is. And it's hilarious to see how long this is going to go on because obviously, like, you need the money from Haas, but how much are you going to deal with the embarrassment? I, I know they've written off the car for the 2021 season, but are they just going to, like, write off all performance within the driver? Like, I don't know, man. It's just going to be one of those things where I think it's going to be a several-month-long cringe from everybody. Like, are they utilizing his money now, or are they just saying, hey, we're going to use it all next year? That's a good question. So that's a big part of why I want now. this Haas segment is because I there's no other – teams will tank in American sports, but this is just openly on top of the table to the media saying, we're not even going to try to compete. We're going to do things that bring in corporate sponsors from our driver's papa or bring in a lot of fans from one of the greatest ever's son. And whether our car is good or not doesn't matter. Next year's the year. It's the American and way. It's unbelievable. It's America and Russian in a beautiful combination. And uh, I just, I'm along for the beautiful disaster. I have a big fantasy uh, implications riding on it as well. So that <laughs> has a little bit to play. But man, I just, I, I can't get off the ride. It was wild that you picked uh, Haas like as your second pick, I think. I think that's what the, a lot of the reports were that you picked Mercedes and then Haas. I'm an American. I have always been an American, and I will root for American motorsports when it comes to foreign motorsport leagues. Um, don't really follow them here because they're not as much fun, but I'll, I'll root for an American team 10 times out of 10. Good for you, blue, blue blood American. All right, and so our last sector, we're going to go through our race predictions that me and Ian and I went through last week. Uh, so currently the lead is three to two with yours truly in the lead. Uh, and so going through one by one, let's say, who do we think will crash slash DNF? I went with Carlos Sainz. Ian went with Yuki Sonoda, both incorrect. Next we had winner. We tried to really switch it up this, this week and not have too obvious. I think, you know, Ian's was a little, as almost as obvious as you could without being in Lewis, but I went with Charles Leclerc. And he went with Valtteri Bottas. Neither were winners. Last place. We're, we agreed that we're typically not going to have the same answers for these. But I think when it has to do with anything with Mazepin, we'll let it slide. We both went with Mazepin. Both nailed it. Douche of the Day. Uh, brought to you by Summer's Eve. Please. The winner of Douche of the Day is, uh, is going to receive a Summer's Eve gift basket, and hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. The winners of the past two weeks have actually told us how much they do appreciate it with them and their family, and they use it all the time with their entire family. Entire family? Yep. It was even a, even it's the a, boys. There's a huge gift basket, if you did not see. Um, a lot of things that go in part of it. Isn't. 
Uh, Snap a pick. Send the pick in. Oh, I don't. I don't win him. So I, you know, I received the pick. Uh, so we had dish of the day for this one was I went with Kimi Räikkönen. Ian went with Lance Stroll. Uh, so we're gonna just skip this one. Uh, we'll t- and I'll explain in a uh, in a sec. Uh, fastest pit stop minus Red Bull, of course. Uh, I went with Alpha Tauri and Ian went with McLaren. Neither winners. And wildcard prediction, Russell not to make Q2 was my prediction. Ian Ricardo ahead of Lando by at least three positions. That definitely did not get that one. So It was actually super wrong on both of our parts because yeah. uh, Danny Rick lost by four positions out to Lando, and Russell was very close yeah. to getting into Q3. He was P11 so. uh, out of quality, so yeah, we nailed it. Uh, the last two, the last two, uh, we're going to kind of go into, uh, there's a, these are up for debate. So driver of the day, I went with Danny Rick, obviously not. Ian went with Sergio Perez. And then douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. Obviously for the the winners, they're going to receive the Summer's Eve douche basket. We've got a, a lot of great positive feedback for the first two douche of the day uh, winners, and so uh, I'm sure a lot of these drivers are kind of looking forward to, hey, if we're going to screw up, let's screw up bad enough so we get that douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. Uh, so I went with Kimi Raikkonen, Ian went with Lance Stroll, and so the reason we wanted to save these two for the last is because uh, there's been a couple up for the debate on how these are going to be scored. Sergio technically was the driver of the day uh, when it comes to F1 voting, and I had to raise my hand up because there has definitely been some collusion with F1 taking away the actual driver of the day, which was voted Nikita Mazepin. And so I would like to say, and so we're going to bring Ryan into this because me and Ian have been fighting over this, how we're going to actually score this. Big points, you know, this is a long season, but every point counts. So Ryan, um, we're going to present to you both of our cases and would love for you to give us a final answer of driver of the day. So Ian, would you like I'd to start? I love that. Sure, are we doing driver of the day first? Well, let's do driver of the day, yep. Happy to. Can I first okay. off just say I, I would be very, very unbiased. Certainly want to hear both sides of the argument, but cannot agree more that Nikita not winning this democratic award is really a testament to all the things that are wrong with the sport. And any better myself. Okay, if you were selected to be on a on a trial like if you were a jury member and you were like hey i'm gonna be uh totally unbiased here and then you said that i feel like that would immediately like disqualify you so i'm not no. trying to muddle the waters here too There's much nothing but. to do with either of your arguments that's like if the judge at the oj case stood up where are we going? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's going to have to say something not related to OJ. He's think faster. Think faster, brain. Think faster. Thought I could come up with something. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I'll get back to you on that one. I say, I say we'll, we'll just like, yeah, keep, start it from right there. OJ case what? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I, <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. All right. All right, I don't know where we're going to cut that, but hopefully we have a good good point. Um, I'll go into my argument. All right, my argument for Sergio Perez being driver of the day is pretty simple. 
Um, F1 gave it to him. Now, I know a lot of people voted in Mazepin, and the rumor is that F1 was kind of scrambling of what they were going to do because they didn't show any graphics. They didn't officially announce a driver of the day until well after the race. Um, but hmm, my interesting. point for Sergio, yeah, it, it was interesting. But, you know, I've never think seen that in a race before. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, we're all humans. You know, we all make mistakes sometimes. Maybe somebody on the production team just forgot it. That's very possible. Maybe. Marco. Continue, sir. <laughs> Sergio Perez is my obvious choice for true driver of the day. Um, he went out for 55 laps. There was rumors that, you know, like the hard tire was going to be enough um, in and of itself just to run that whole race on. Um, and, and Perez almost did it even on the medium. So I think he had a great race. It was P4. Um, and I'll, I will concede to Marco here for his point of view, which is wrong. Go ahead. So I think that if on Sergio's side, I don't think he really had that incredible of a driver of the day. Like I thought he did a fine race, but as, as I said earlier, like, you want him, that second seat, to be fighting with those top three drivers. And he was seven, nine, eight seconds out from those that first group. So then it, already, you know, the, um, the race maneuvers that they're able to do, the strategy they're able to use is, is a little difficult. And the only reason he was in that position was because he had that gap behind the other drivers. So I'm not saying that he didn't drive well, but I think that it was – the situation he was in was being a tiny bit behind those drivers and being saying, Hey, we're going to have to change our strategy where you just stay out here as long as possible. Did a great job. Keep keeping the tires fresh, everything like that. But I don't think it was a like drop dead. Like he absolutely deserved driver of the day on the other side. This is like a thing that a lot of sports are wanting to do more fan interactions. You know, like you said, I thought it was a great point. The, the Nickelodeon valuable player, Mitch Trubisky, did he have a great game? I don't know, but did he win that? Did he win that trophy with the voting? Technically, he won that trophy. Doesn't matter how bad he played. Fan interaction is something that they're trying to integrate more into the sport. And if a team, if a group of people conspired to pick Nikita Mazepin to put into driver of the day, that should be necessarily necessary to be put as driver of the day. And I would just like to end off on this. Ian Bacchus, did you vote for driver of the day? Don't do this. Did Don't you this. answer the question? Did you vote for no. driver of the day? I, yes, I voted and who, for the first time ever for who driver d- of the day. First time ever. So you really, you really had strong feelings about this, didn't you? No, I, I would just say I, no, I wouldn't say. First I time ever? This. Okay. Uh, and follow-up question, who did you vote for for driver of the day? Objection, irrelevant. Uh, like actually, judge. Oh, on behalf of the argument that you Mazepin, yourself laid forward, I Ian, I would like to hear. I voted for Nikita Mazepin. I rest my case. I rest my case, sir. I rest my case. Ryan Shrek. Wow, that was a lot to take in, and I very much appreciate both sides. Where did Sergio Perez qualify? Please remind me. Fourth. Qualified third. I don't think either of those are true. Second. No. Fourth. Fourth. Land, wasn't Lando fourth? No, he was seventh. Sergio Perez qualified fourth in the Portimao Grand Prix. Okay. I see it right here. Okay. So I think that's a big part of being the driver of the day on Sunday. You start four, finish four. 
And I think, secondly, the arguments laid forth presented you quite clearly as a flip-flopper, Ian. You cannot say one thing on Sunday and then, when it does not work in your favor, come on the podcast on Monday and try to right your wrongs. Therefore, I will side with Marco on this one. Driver of the day should be Daniel Ricardo. You have officially oh. been uninvited to the podcast from here on out. So actually, um, surprised it took this long. I did not get the and I didn't get the win. He just didn't get the win. So Danny wasn't driver of the day. It was just no points. That's almost more important to me than you getting the win. I couldn't agree more. So we're gonna go. Let it be NA. known that I did vote for the first time as well this week, and just didn't know about the Mazepin thing going on. So I voted for Alonso in the hope that he would somehow get it and it would help my fantasy team. <laughs> I wish we could have seen. All right, if I've lost, if I've lost, then I'll jump on the right side of history here. I wish we could have at least seen the uh, percentages that they show, you know, like toward the end of the race when they're hinting at Yeah, might I was actually very curious about that because I kept waiting for that to be like, oh, currently we have X, <laughs> Y, and Z. And I was like, this is actually interesting that nothing has popped up yet. <laughs> because they were probably like, wow, guys, for the first time we've had more – more fan engagement than ever. So the bad news is that 96% of these people voting think Nikita Mazepin should be driver of the So day. my question is, if this trend starts shooting and getting a lot more popular, they're going to have to fix driver of the day. Like, they, they're going to have to be like, hey, we can't, we're only going to have to, like, pit a select few on the available choices so we can't have people do that. Thanks. I mean, Yeah. That's what happens. I know. Well, exciting. Yeah, exciting non-win for Ian. Um, And so our last debate was uh, was the douche of the day, uh, brought to you by Summers Eve. As we had mentioned, Uh, don't forget to check out Summers Eve. I went with Kimi Raikkonen as douche of the day. Ian went with Lane Stroll, and I think this part is up for debate with Kimi if he's going to be considered douche of the day. Um, Ian, would you like to start off again? I went last time, so I'll be the closing argument this time. Fair enough. So, um, honestly, I'm pretty happy with winning the Sergio part. Um, and I, I'll give it my best, but Kimmy was the only person, a DNF. Alfa Romeo was coming into this with a little bit of promise, being like, hey, you know, we can compete with those middle-tier guys. Had some decent race times and free practice. And uh, to start off the race, for you to not only get in a crash, but to run into your own teammate when it's clearly your fault, not only hurts yourself, not only hurts your teammate, but completely hurts your team. Uh, I mean, the chances of Giovinazzi having a, a another injury to his car, um, some damage to his car, was a huge concern, something that, I mean, honestly, his I saw his race pace really suffer from after that hit. So not only are you losing that, but I think in general, like, there wasn't anything else that really happened that race. No one was, you know, doing too bad of things. Everything was, everyone was okay. 19 other people finished. I'm going to have to point to Kimmy because not only did he screw himself off, but really screwed over his team by also affecting his teammate. Okay. I'll open my argument by saying that I heard on the Alfa Romeo radio that uh, Antonio Giovinazzi's engineer said, yeah, we felt contact, but everything's okay with the car. Keep driving. And actually, I think he was in P13 when that happened, So his, and he finished in P12. So I would heavily contest the fact that it messed with his race time. And aside of that, 
I don't think I don't think running into somebody uh, makes you a douche, really. I think if you see a gap, a potential gap, and you don't take the gap, and you're not really a race driver. Well, that goes back to was it actually a gap? If there's right. if you see listen, if listen, you listen. think if you, you see, see a, gap, a gap, that's weird. I don't remember interrupting you during your argument. Oh, sorry, what would you say? Continue. <laughs> I, you know, Ayrton Senna, rest in peace, said that exact quote. If you see a gap and you don't take it, then you're not a race driver. Kimmy's been around long enough to know when a gap exists, but we know that the Alfa Romeo car sometimes can't keep up with the drivers. So I don't think you can qualify what he does as a douche move. I think, uh, if, if anything, it was just kind of a racing incident. I don't think that drops you down to the douche of the day. And since we all know Mazepin was the true douche of the day because, man, douche of the weekend, really. Uh, he got in Latifi's way during qualifying. Latifi, as even-headed as he is, called him a fucking asshole. Um, and, you know, I think other words that were even worse. Um, I don't think you can really say that if Mazepin was, you know, not the was was truly the driver of the day, that you can't pick somebody else, that I don't think you can say that Truly, Mazepin was a douche of the day, but you can pick somebody else and, and win that. That would be my closing argument. Rock solid. This is a tricky one for me. I think, especially based on who we're debating here, I think if there is a douche of the grid award, um, Summer's Eve should really look into that for one, but I think B, that goes to Kimmy. I think he's generally, especially with how he handles the media, a little bit of a prick. I think he is generally someone that shows zero remorse. His microphone uh, clips are always very, very, very fun to watch or listen to, rather. However, I do see that the points of Mazepin being the douche of the day. It's tough with the collision taking place with the teammate. It's tough where the gap didn't seem to be very existent, or at least it felt like a very avoidable crash. But with that being said, for the first time, in the post-race media, I heard Kimmy take some responsibility, show some remorse, be very sorrowful for his teammates and for his team um, for the bad result. And for that reason, I am going to have to agree that Mazepin um, probably sold with the ignoring of the blue flags. will will take this award. Uh, it's a tough one. It's definitely a bit of a toss-up, especially given Kimmy's history. But seeing him take a little bit of responsibility and, and show that remorse was, was enough for me to see. So if, if I understand your, your uh, decision, but if someone were being like, hey, sorry for being a douche out there, then you're going to be like, hey, it's okay. Is that what he said? Did he say sorry? He for didn't, being a I don't think he used the word douche, but he did at least take responsibility for his actions. And uh, yeah, I don't necessarily think that we can't just be basing this award off of whoever is responsible for one crash or the worst crash every week, I don't think, personally, based on my single guest appearance on this podcast. I think it takes into account how they drove throughout the week, and or weekend rather, and I don't think Mazepin, uh, I think he still has a lot to learn when it comes to avoiding being the uh, douche of the day. All right, fair, fair enough. And so uh, with those updated... It looks like, so out of the, what is it, uh, seven predictions, me and Ian both got one of the seven right, and it was the one that we both said Mazepin was going to finish last. So 
Not a strong, <laughs> strong outing for us in our predictions this week. This leads to a final score update of 4-3 to three with yours truly still taking the lead. Yeah, fair enough. You, you deserve that one. I feel like that was a, that was a fairly judged trial on, on both accounts. All right, well done, Ryan. Um, and thank you for coming on to this episode, episode 6 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. Um, later this week, we're going to start into, because we don't have a week break this time, thank the Lord. Uh, we have Barcelona coming up this coming weekend, so we'll do a little bit of a track preview um, and kind of like you know may- maybe a story or a driver highlight or something like that. So we will see you uh, in a couple of days. Granted, we usually have about a week and a half delay of when these podcasts are supposed to go out, just based off of uh, editing prowess. Um, but anyway, that does it for this episode of Eaton Asphalt. I'm your host, Ian Bacchess, alongside Matthew Marcancini with special guest, Ryan Joseph Shrek. Joseph Shrek? Ryan Joseph That's Shrek. That's me. The eyes <laughs> right. of the law. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. See you, assholes. See you, assholes. <laughs>